I've got a secret word for my guest today. Uh, he doesn't know the secret word, and if I get him to say it during the podcast, then one lucky Patreon winner is going to win a $25 gift card to Surf Prep. Head Banana. over to patreon.com slash podcast. <laughs> Maybe. Armadillo. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Surf Prep Sanding. They're a family-owned and operated company specializing in sanders, abrasives, and dust extractors. I've been using Surf Prep now for years and have come to know the amazing people behind their brand. I love their 6-inch electric random orbital sander and the 3x4 sander the best. The 3x4 is awesome for contour sanding and has by far helped me level up my sanding to get a great finish for all my projects. Use code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word, at checkout from surfprepsanding.com for 10% off your order. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the lounge. I'm Matt with Voltner Woodworking and your host of the Maker Lounge podcast. He once caused an explosion in his garage, which gave him an instant facelift. This major, this former Major League Baseball player stepped off the mound in the offseason to make tire sculptures, which caught the attention of some big companies like Goodyear, Lululemon, and several sports organizations. His television appearances didn't stop when he retired from baseball. He was a contestant on season three of NBC's show Making It. He's a master of epoxy sculptures, large and small. Blake McFarland with BM Sculptures is here to step on the mound once again while I enjoy the hors d'oeuvres in the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> what an intro. What kind of hors d'oeuvres are you working with over there? Uh, I've got uh, just Coke. <laughs> Coke Zero. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make for a good podcast if I'm sitting here snacking on cheese and, and crackers. <laughs> for sure. Now, I'm, I'm very interested on what my secret word is. And what, what happens if I, if I say the secret word? If you say the secret word, then uh, a Patreon winner wins a $25 gift card to surf. Wow. I'm just going to start yeah. listing off words. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll probably be a word that you'll like maybe say in just normal conversation. Which, Ghostbusters. Which, it could be. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I better get that applause button ready. <laughs> nice. When you say the magic word, it'll totally interrupt the flow of the, the conversation and, and you'll be thrown way off. Oh, I love it. I'm intrigued now. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, the, the guest doesn't win anything. Oh, man. It, it's fine. The Patreons deserve it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so did I get everything right in the in the intro? I mean, you, you did kind of give yourself a facelift by, by face an epoxy work? incident. Uh, free facelift. Uh, you did say Major League. I never officially pitched in a Major League game. Okay. But uh, Major League roster, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're on the 40-man roster. To me, yeah. that's that's Major League. <laughs> I mean, you made it. You made it uh, into the. You, you play for. Well, go ahead and give the history. That yeah, way uh, I played for the Toronto Blue Jays organization for seven years. I got put on the big league roster in 2016, I believe. And that spring training, I had sort of shoulder surgery. So uh, I went suck. from the, the highest part of my career. You know, I'm going to be pitching in the big leagues this year to right out of spring training, second or third game in, hey, something's not feeling right, and right. then uh, on to rehabbing for two years with, uh, with no success. You, you hear that a lot, like in, in baseball, about pitchers and the, the way that they throw. And, I mean, I've seen some just wild pitchers. Like, you can, if they slow-mo the shot, you could see their shoulder coming out of its socket. It's scary. Like when you see, you have to watch it slow motion. Cause if you watch it in full speed, you just, you don't really realize the torque on the arm, on the shoulder and in the elbow until you see a picture. Right. And that elbow is like 90 degrees behind their body. And it's just not a natural position. I mean, throwing is just, it's not natural. It's not something you're supposed to be doing over and over like that. Right. For, for 90 pitches, a hundred pitches. Some of these guys yeah. are just slinging zingers like 90 miles an hour. Like this yeah. is crazy <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I, I've, we were talking in the pre-show, my son's playing uh, select ball. And, and so I'm throwing the ball with him and he's, I'm, I have to get a new glove now because he's starting to, to really hit that pocket yeah. in my glove and I'm starting to feel it. And I'm, I'm sure. like, okay, I'm 43 years old. I'm starting to feel the, the aches and pains. <laughs> get a get a catcher's glove. Honestly, like if you're going to be playing catch for a long time, yeah. get a catcher's glove because it'll have so much more padding. And then, I mean, I don't know what position does he play. 
uh, probably first. Every oh, first right now. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, yeah, he's I mean, all over. I mean, yeah, he, it, he's playing all different positions. Yeah. If you do plan on playing catch for a very long time, you'll never have to get another glove if you just start with a catching mitt. I, I need the extra few inches, though. The, the catcher's oh, mitt. Oh, so you're you, right. You, you know, I'm you're like, right. I don't. Want, <laughs> I'm telling him, hey, you know, focus. You know, throw at the chest or whatever, and and make him hit, make sure he catches the ball. But then if if I'm out there. You know, the ball's going over my head. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's not the best for the catcher. You could go with you could go with a first baseman's mitt, and then you know yeah. you just restring it. Like you you would easily know how to restring gloves. Yeah. Um, so that that'll help as well. Well, I'm a maker at heart, so there you go. I mean, I'll, I'm just I'll just duct tape and and put chewing gum in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Kind of like uh, some of the projects you worked on when you were on the the show making it. <laughs> <laughs> right pretty much that's how they were built <laughs> so so after you uh did the baseball uh stuff when you did the show uh, back in what 2021 like in the middle yeah. of covid or something right yeah middle of covid i think it was actually one of the first shows they shot like on our nbc lot and out of all of covid so we were like the guinea pigs it was us right. and then this the uh, whatever they call it the venue next door was the voice and they were also so it was the voice and then making it oh wow the first two out of, out of covid i'm surprised they didn't have like cardboard cutouts of you guys instead of <laughs> the actual people <laughs> so <laughs> what's like funny is um in, in little rooms or something what's really funny about that is i don't know if this is like a normal thing i, I kind of think it is normal but so nick offerman and amy poehler were the the hosts mm -hmm. they would have stand-ins that kind of looked like them and wore what they were wearing for that day. So before we did like scenes and shoots, they would act as them. Oh, wow. And I don't know. I actually don't think that was a COVID thing. I think they actually do that. They, they didn't but, want to pay them for those hours or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that, it's just crazy. Like the, the extras or whatever, the acting as them do like all the shots, like 90% of the shots. And then last minute, Nick yeah. and Amy show up, do their gig, and then they're bounced. They're out. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's like, so it's just crazy how all that works. Yeah. And you're sitting there working on your stuff for seven, eight hours. Yeah. You're like, can I get a stand in here? <laughs> right. Can I get somebody else to nail these uh, tires into this sculpture? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, you kind of, you went into that show with, um, with your background in sculptures and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you had been doing all kinds of different sculptures at that point, right? From the epoxy stuff to the tires, uh, tire sculptures. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just get bored easily, I guess. Um, <laughs> I kind of started my career painting um, and then went into tire sculptures out of all things. And I just get, I didn't want to keep doing the same thing over and over. So then <laughs> I kind of got more into woodworking and wood sculptures that kind of transitioned into epoxy sculptures. And now I kind of just, I want to do everything. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to be kind of like pigeonholed into just one working with one medium. Right. And I think that's what kind of keeps it fresh for me. So go, take me back to your, like you're doing your first uh, sculpture. What was that one of the tire sculptures or was or did you have like a background in, in doing other mediums? Um, so I guess we'll jump a little bit before that. Even, I guess I kind of started my entire art career painting. So uh, during my baseball off season, I have six months to do whatever I want to do, which is mm. awesome. You know, most, mm -hmm. I'd say 95% of my teammates are all doing baseball lessons for me. I just did six months straight of nothing but baseball. Like I don't want to, I still train every day for baseball, still throw, yeah. do all that, but I don't want to be doing lessons on my off time. So, um, I, I enjoyed painting and, um, I started selling paintings, a lot of landscape scenery stuff. And then I did that for my first two years of, of professional baseball. And I kind of realized during that third season, I'm like, Hey, if, if baseball were to not work out, like I can't fall back on painting. Like I'm selling them for like a couple hundred bucks. Like right. there's so many other painters way better than me that can, that can make a living off this. Yeah. It's not going to be me. So that's when I kind of stumbled upon, um, wanting to work with sculpture, wanting to do a sculpture. And that's, I've always kind of made stuff, uh, done a lot of like little sculptural stuff growing up. And so I knew I had access to my dad's tools. My dad, 
um, is just kind of a handy guy. He does all sorts of anything wrong with the house, he'll fix. So we just had this wall of tools mm. that I was fortunate, fortunate enough to grow up with. So he kind of just showed me how to use all these different tools along the way. And, you know, I, I gave myself like two months to make this sculpture out of tires. And why I chose tires is because I was, I was in the minor leagues making no money. Mm-hmm. I needed a material that was cheap. Tires were free. And, <laughs> and I got inspiration. There was a playground of a like serpent made out of tires. And I thought, hey, that's kind of a cool material. Maybe I could mold these into something. Yeah. Um, so I spent two or three months making this little Jaguar that looking back now, it was, it was horrendous. It was, it was terrible, (laughs) but it did look like a Jaguar and it was made out of tires and still it was pretty cool kind of looking. Um, so I, I took pictures of that. I had absolutely no idea how to like get into the art world up until this point. I was selling my paintings on Craigslist. Mm. Um, and I think, I don't even know if Etsy was kind of a thing then. Mm. So it was really just Craigslist selling those. So I didn't know how to get into the art world. So I took pictures of the sculpture and I just brought it to art galleries. And I I put the flyer underneath some art galleries doors and then uh, my baseball season started. So that was the end of that. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And then it wasn't until probably five months into my baseball season, I get a call from an art gallery saying, hey, we just saw this flyer. We love it. We'll, we'll take that. And can you do some more for us? So that's really the first entry point into kind of the, the quote unquote art world was getting into that gallery. And that gallery ended up selling a couple of them, which then gave me the opportunity to make more. Mm. Um, So that's kind of how that all started with, with tires. And again, it's, I know it's weird, um, but, uh, I really enjoy it and I still do tire sculptures today, which, uh, which I really like. Are you one of the few that does like something like this? Cause I've never seen anything like this. Uh, I've, yeah, I, I, there, I don't think there's anybody in, in the U S I have seen, I don't know if they did it before me or after me, but I have in the last couple of years seen people in, in different countries do them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I think think I'm one of the only ones in the US. It's super cool to see these tires that I mean, basically, that's the end of their life, right? I guess they can become Mm -hmm. like mulch or something like that after. Mm -hmm. Um, But this recycled medium that that you're taking and like how many for the Jaguar? Did you know how many tires you'd need kind of thing? Or you're just like trying to figure it out as you're going? So for the Jaguar, you know, I, I thought car tires, I'm going to go get car tires. And there was even some like on the, on the street next to my house. So I got mm. those, I went to a local auto body shop that had tires laying around. And I, in a matter of a couple hours, I realized there's no way I'm cutting through these. I'm not working with car tires. <laughs> They're all steel reinforced. I threw every tool at it and it took me an hour just to cut through one tire. Oh man. I'm like, this is not going to work. Right. So then I went to motorcycle tires, uh, kind of same thing there. A lot of them still are steel reinforced. Um, and then finally I found bike tires. And so I went around to all the local bike shops and I, they just had, at least where I'm from, they just had piles of ones that they were about to go recycle. And I just said, Hey, let me take these off your hands. And I just load up the truck with tires and bring it home and start working with it. Yeah. And your, yeah. your wife is over there rolling her eyes when you're, were you married at the time? Uh, no, I mean, I was still with, uh, yeah, I was with, with my now wife, but we yeah. were uh, maybe engaged at the time or something like that. Yeah. You, you yeah. start trolling uh, Craigslist for used tires and like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> pretty soon date nights become tire, uh, <laughs> tire night. <laughs> right. Just scavenging tires. But yeah. no, luckily like all these shops, I only had to go to like two or three shops and I was set for the whole summer. So it oh, was that's awesome. It was great. And like for, a, for like, like, I think the original question was how many tires. Yeah. Um, I, I think for that Jaguar again, it was maybe three feet by one foot. Um, probably around 20 bike tires. Yeah. But now for like the life size stuff, I can use up to a hundred of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the, the coolest one that I saw you do was that, um, bison. That's that's probably your biggest, biggest ones. Yeah, for sure. That's the biggest one that I've done, um, up to this day. And that one, yeah, I, I, I think it just looks really cool 
to to kind of depict fur like the tire treads depict fur real and muscle really well and the bison's cool because it does have right. like the back of the body is kind of more musculature muscular yeah. whatever the word is is that the it's, word the secret it's, word? it's a word it's a word now no you didn't get it. that's not the secret <laughs> word <laughs> um but yeah it depicts fur and the, the bison has such thick like head a mane of fur that that really when you shred those tires it really looks like it yeah i I love the way that you you kind of shaped and you did like the the neck and around around the whole neck and just kind of um profiled each one of those and you're right i mean it does when you when you stand back you're like that's it's a legit bicycle (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm going for (laughs) right and and um you know things things that people probably wouldn't think about i mean you did you did other things like um you know, aluminum horns and and stuff like that or was mm-hmm. it aluminum or stainless steel I it forget. was stainless. stainless yeah stainless steel yeah stainless steel like horns but then like i mean if it were me building it i'd probably just stick them in there but no you you like welded them together and like there's a lot of structural things that people probably wouldn't think about you're just thinking about that the outside aesthetics of it but there's a lot that goes into the the design and planning of something like this. Is are you for, kind of figuring figuring it out like on the fly or For sure. I mean, now I kind of know a little more. Um back in the day I wasn't really thinking structural, but now especially for that bison, that's going to a zoo and kids mm. are probably going to be playing on it, pulling on it. So I really have to think about durability, uh kind of liability, what's going to come off if a kid hangs on a horn. So right. I, that, that really goes into these sculptures now, especially if it's going to be outdoors and going to be accessible to climb on. I really think about how this can stand the test of time and, and you know, kids can pry at everything. So right. everything's fiberglass, uh, steel reinforcements everywhere and a ton of stainless nails and screws in each tire tread. Do you sleep okay at night knowing that kids are climbing on these things? No, never. <laughs> no, it's honestly like a big fear. Um, yeah. Like you always just think like, what what can happen? Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, obviously there's like liability forms. I'm not liable for anything if it happens. Right. Like all that was signed. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I, I still think like if this isn't solid metal or steel or casted bronze, there's right. always something can always happen that, that I am scared of yeah. <laughs> happening. Yeah, I no. do uh, built-ins and stuff like that. And so sometimes I go a little bit overboard with the screws of screwing these cabinets, especially like the uppers <laughs> and stuff like that. Because I could just picture somebody putting that last plate in in mm-hmm. the, the cabinet or something or that, that last bottle of dish soap or something. And all of a sudden the, the cabinet just falls on them. You know? For but, sure, yeah. I mean, even though you're covered in liability, you're like, that's a call you just don't want to take. <laughs> For sure. No, I completely, I mean, that's a perfect scenario. I mean, yeah. I was loading dishes this morning and just the weight of like 10 dishes and this one cabinet, it's got to be close to like 50, 60 pounds of, right. of stuff in there. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, like what a couple two screws, two screws into a, in a yeah. one stud to hold right? the thing up. <laughs> yeah. Put, put four in there. I, I'm, I'm with you. Put, put a, maybe five or six of them in there. That's right. It's, it's an accent feature. <laughs> in, industrial uh, accent. <laughs> right yeah oh so uh so you were you're doing the, the tire sculptures and then you you got bored with with that uh and well i don't want to say bored i don't want to put words in your mouth but i was kind of bored yeah yeah so you're <laughs> like let, let me branch out and and so what was the next thing uh, um from there i kind of gotten more into to woodworking and and actually we'll go before that um i i loved restorations uh mm. i always would watch restoration videos so yeah. even in re- even now if i think if you scroll back in time in my youtube channel i i started off doing a lot of restorations and metalwork a lot of like axes and mm-hmm. knives and stuff like that so um in doing so doing the handles of these things i started doing a lot of woodworking and that's where i kind of was introduced to epoxy i would do kind of epoxy handles with different things encapsulated in it yeah um and then I kind of just figured out, hey, I really enjoy working with wood and epoxy. Um, and that's when I kind of stumbled upon incorporating epoxy with wood and then carving something out of it. And that was, uh, again, probably another huge shift in my career. I went from more 
the tire sculpture guy to now like the epoxy uh, wood sculpture guy. And I, I'm honestly loving that right now. It's, it's really fun. I think the possibilities are just endless of what I can do with, with putting things in the epoxy and then carving around it or just kind of incorporating different woods with the epoxy and carving things out of it. Um, it it's, it's fun. It's fun. I'm right. not bored of it yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's good because you've got a lot of great uh, projects on your YouTube channel and I'll, I'll put links in the show notes. Um, but I, I think some of my favorites are like the, the bears uh, just look super cool. They're, you've got a couple of them out there. Um, and so when you're, when you're doing something like that, like, like the bear, you've got one that's just like it's wood in the head and then you've got one that's more like epoxy in the head mm -hmm. when you're coming up with your designs is that like in the forefront of your mind or you're just kind of like let's let's wing it as you're as you're going through that process yeah it's um it's always thought of beforehand i want to know not only like where i want the epoxy in the finished piece but almost if i'm doing like mixed species of wood like what part is going to be in the head. The head of, of any sculpture is the focal point. So you want kind of the most dramatic or most uh, interesting piece of wood within the head, um, as well as with the epoxy. So on most of my sculptures, I will do the clear epoxy in the head portion of the animals, um, just because I think the, the clear epoxy just, I mean, I just like the look of it. I think it kind of gives a glass-like appearance um, and so everything I do is to kind of, where is this piece of wood going to show within the head and the epoxy? So everything is thought about beforehand. Obviously there's some changes that need to be made along the way, but for the most part, everything's pre-planned. Yeah. And so then the, the, the hardest part, well, let me ask you, what, what is the hardest part of, of doing these sculptures? Sanding. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> uh, it's so, the worst. Yeah. I mean, because like when, when somebody's doing a, a flat table or something with, with, or a river table or whatever, I don't, can we say river table or is that still trademarked? Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a stream, a stream it's, table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's, it's a flat surface, a lot yeah. easier to, to sand something like that. And you can kind of do it in a methodical motion, mm -hmm. but when you're doing something like a sculpture, how are you doing? How are you making sure that you cover the whole thing in the right yeah, you know, I would, way? I would love to have a flat surface. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's all by hand. I mean, I can get, you know, a rotary sander on some larger smooth areas, but I'd say majority of everything is all hand sanded. And what, what makes it look cool is having crystal clear epoxy. And the only way to do that is to sand up to 5,000. So on all the epoxy portions, I'm hand sanding basically to 5,000, which is, you know, it could take just as long to sand the sculpture as it does to carve the sculpture. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Wow. So, you know, some people skip, skip, uh, you know, between <laughs> different, uh, I'm tiptoeing around a word here. Uh, so grits, grit. <laughs> Did I get it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you laid yeah. you laid that one up. That was laid up. That was yeah. I mean, it was probably a little too easy. <laughs> so, congratulations to Grant at Dad Crafted. Uh, you're the lucky winner of the twenty five dollar surf prep gift card. Nice. So Congrats, I will contact Grant. you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when you said 5,000, I was like, 5,000 what? How do I ask him 5,000 5, grit? Just say the word. Say oh, the word. that's great. <laughs> that's funny. We got it. We got it. We, we nailed it. Now we can focus on the actual podcast. <laughs> so take me way back. <laughs> like, we got to get to that secret word. Uh, but yeah, so, so people are skipping grits in the, in, in the sanding process. Mm -hmm. I mean, but obviously in your sculptures, you're trying to get to the, the crystal clear. Um, yeah, there's, there's really no skipping on the, on the wood sections. I still will try to get to only like 220, 320. Yeah. Um, but on, on all the epoxy, like you can easily see what is, if there are any swirl marks in that epoxy, you can see it so easily. Right. So there's really, there's no shortcuts. You just, you gotta do it. And then the wet sanding really, the wet sanding will really show you where you missed. 
really and i have to go back all the time and and redo it (laughs) because the the water and like the dust will get into those little cracks and then it'll just stick out like a sore throat a sore thumb so you'll there's no way of not seeing it (laughs) would would you say that you put in probably 50 percent of your time in a sculpture in just those finishing touches like what break break down that whole process of of the sculptures uh yeah from from basically pouring the epoxy and how much time is dedicated to that yeah i would say it's actually probably split in three so the first third is actually getting the wood ready whether i'm doing multiple species glue ups or if even if i do a burl they're still cutting the burl down to size you know sealing it with epoxy and then the actual pour Um, I'd say it's around two to three weeks to just get it, to get the epoxy ready, uh, to get the, I mean, it all poured. It's going to take, I I pour everything in a refrigerator, all kind of temperature controlled. I have a fan on everything is really regulated at temperature. So I could pour deeper. Yeah. Now it is. (laughs) Now it is. Missing eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're back now. Yeah. but yeah, so I would say two to three weeks to get the epoxy and wood ready to carve, another two to three weeks to carve it, and another two to three weeks to sand and finish. Wow. So yeah, I'd say anywhere from six to like 10 weeks to completely finish a sculpture. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of invested time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, and this is your full-time thing that you're doing. Yeah. So, so as far, like, are you doing... F- basically a 40 hour week or like a probably an 80 hour, 80 hour week. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I put in a lot of time. It's a full-time job and yeah. I do work out of, out of my house. So I do spend even more time than I should on it because it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to go check out the garage, see how it's doing out there. And then I'll right. be, you know, I'll be in, inside an hour later. So there's a lot of unlogged time as well, but it's, uh, you know, five days a week, full-time carving and, and making these sculptures happen. Yeah, some people probably think, oh, you just, you know, once you get the the form built and you pour the epoxy, then you you know you walk away for a few weeks. But you're <laughs> constantly going out there, probably checking the temperatures and and trying to keep it regulated. Yeah, I mean, I've I've messed up so many pours that I'm I I have like one of those little digital thermometers, little infrared ones, and I'm mm-hmm. out there. If I do like a deep pour, I'm out there every couple hours, just making sure it's not exotherming and and gonna make a disaster, which, which happened quite a bit. If you've seen my work, (laughs) some people say risk it for the brisket, you know, like a brisket (laughs) takes a long time, but you're, you're, you got to come up with a catchphrase like that, you know, risk it for the something. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, we need one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and put it on a t-shirt. I'm sure those will, will sell out. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. We need some. Yeah. Come up. We need to come up with a line. A yeah. tagline. I need one of those. If you if you can think of something, leave it in the. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, leave it in the uh, the comments below. Give, <laughs> give him a catchphrase that he can use. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, so so basically, you know, you've been you did the tires. You, you're doing this. You're you're doing projects in between, like. Um. Sometimes I'll do like little projects if they're in between, or if there's, you know, a smaller piece that I know wouldn't make a good video. I'll just do it on the side or do it really quick. But I, I think I have some kind of OCD where if I start something, I can't do anything until I finish it. So I, it, for the most time, it's, it's just one, one thing at a time, one sculpture at a time. And, um, it's just kind of how I work. I, I really can't do multiple things at once. It's really just finishing one. And when, uh, the only time I do or an, am able to work on multiple things, multiple things is when I do do a pour and then I have like, you know, a couple days of curing time and that's mm-hmm. when I'll do these, uh, smaller side ones. Yeah. So you've got projects all over. Um, I mentioned several like sports organizations that you've, that you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have you come across those, uh, opportunities are they are they reaching out to you and by seeing your youtube channel and things like that or how's that so um i was lucky that i was still pretty new um this was probably my second year doing tire sculptures i had goodyear reach out and this was just through my website i wasn't even doing youtube yet Mm -hmm. um this was just through my website and it was a marketing company say asking 
you know, if I could make sculptures for the cotton bowl. And I, I thought it was a joke. I'm like, right. sure. <laughs> I'm sure you're good year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it, it turned out to be the real thing. So they gave me, uh, the first year was really a big test on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think I've been doing it the last six years now I've been doing the Goodyear cotton bowl mascots that I'll do two sculptures of both competing teams completely out of Goodyear tires. That's awesome. So that's kind of how that one happened. The, um, the stadium, the other stadiums, I'm, I have a sculpture in the Milwaukee Bucks stadium, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, and then the Warriors. Um, and that, that's actually a company that, again, they reached out. This is before YouTube through my website. And uh, it's a company that furnishes stadiums. It's actually like an mm. art curator for these new stadiums that go up or if they have any renovations. So I have you know, a good contact through this company and they'll just reach out and say, Hey, are you interested in doing this? And sure yeah. enough, I mean, I, I would never turn down a stadium. So, right. <laughs> so yeah, those are always the funnest ones. And, um, and for me, one of my favorite ones is, is the sculpture at the Warriors chase arena because it's right outside the player's locker room. So they'll do interviews. And at the beginning of each game, you'll see the sculpture in the background as they run cool. out. So I, I love that. And it's, it's my local team. So I get right. to watch that uh, all the time, which is, which is really cool. We got to get you to make a clutch for the Houston Astros. Uh, yeah, that'd yeah be so cool. I can see that at Minute Maid. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that, yeah, that'd be awesome. And yeah. so you have things in, in museums and, or, or um, like art, art galleries, not museums, but like different art galleries. Are those seasonal? Um, no. So I have nothing in museums and, when I first started out, and I think a lot of artists, when they start out, they're like, the ultimate goal is to be in an art gallery. Right. And that's where I was back then as well. And and I have since realized you don't want to be in an art gallery. <laughs> you like, honestly, you don't, yeah. unless it's, unless it's like the top art galleries in the nation. Um, I just, you know, they're going to double your price. Mm. So you, you give them something for $10,000. They're going to, they're going to put it up to 20. Right. And now a client has to pay double for, you know, for, for nothing. Right. Um, and I just, I haven't had much success selling anything. I've been in five or six, but not only that, when I go back to like pick up the sculpture, all of everything is still there. So like, I just don't, I don't quite know how these galleries move, move things or if it's more just uh yeah. Get people in the door to, I, I just don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird, <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that, that, that I think as a, as a young artist, you need to kind of learn is that these galleries are not only going to want you want your work and then jack up the price, but they're going to want you to go out there and promote it for them. Mm. And that's like, my whole reason is like, I want to be in an art gallery so I don't have to promote it. Like they can do all that work and sell it. Right. I get to work on my next thing. Well, from my experiences, you get the opportunity to be in their gallery and now they want you to promote it. They want you to fly out there and do all these events. And that's just not something I really want to do. Right. Um, I don't know. I just have mixed thoughts yeah. of, of art galleries, I guess. And, okay. and I've never really been a, a person to really go to art galleries and inspect artwork, even though I do like really appreciate art, but um, it's just, uh, I like making stuff. I like making cool stuff. I don't, yeah. I'm not like in the art world, I guess the art right. gallery world. Well, it's yeah. like a uh, YouTube creators. A lot of them, they they don't watch YouTube. They just enjoy making YouTube uh, mm -hmm. videos or whatever. I mean, a lot of the big successful YouTubers that I've talked to, they're like, I don't, I don't watch YouTube. I don't consume YouTube. So it's interesting oh, to hear you say that. Like, you know, you have stuff in, in galleries and yeah, I, I can, I can see that. Like, I'll, I'll go like if I'm on vacation, I'll look at some of like the wood, uh, you know, architecture and things like that. I'm always kind mm -hmm. of scoping that out, but I'm not going to just go specifically to go look at other people's work. Cause I want to do, yeah. I just want to make for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So if you were to give uh, advice to somebody who's just kind of getting started off into like doing sculptures, similar to what you're doing, what are some of the, like, the, the lessons that you learned along the way that, I mean, everybody should, should learn on their own, right? Because it'll For make sure. them appreciate it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Um, I think 
you just have to find a way to kind of separate yourself from all everyone else. Cause every, there's so many people trying to do the same thing. What, you know, if they're, if, if you're a painter, you know, there are so many people that can paint so mm -hmm. well, how are you going to set yourself apart? What is different about your work than this other hundred people's works? Um, I think the biggest thing is separating yourself that way. And then honestly, like social media is, is your art gallery now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, starting a YouTube channel, like if you're good with videoing and all that, like right now, uh, I'd say 90% of my commissioned work is coming through YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I think self-promoting, uh, is, is a better investment than trying to spend your time trying to reach out to galleries and getting in galleries. I think self-promotion do events. Um, if there's, uh, local events or craft fairs, that's always a really good way to, to start selling your work. And then the other thing is start selling it for super cheap to where people buy it. Like you want to, you want to start off just building up your inventory. Uh, right. and then, you know, you sell it. I mean, I, I'm working with this young woodworker now and he's, um, selling cutting boards at a local market, but no one's buying it because it's at a high price. I'm like, Hey, you just graduated high school, just sell them for the, like the amount of material that you bought it for and then start selling yeah. them and take pictures, build yourself a website, just start building your catalog. Um, I think that's, right. uh, something I would do, um, and definitely recommend is just building that catalog, have a website. If you can, a lot of people, a lot of marketing companies, I've never had a marketing company reach out via social media at all. Not once. It's all been through the website. So I think another big thing that a lot of people forget about is, hey, websites still are valuable. Um, it, it, and these marketing companies and bigger corporate clients aren't going to reach out on social media. They're going to reach out through a website directly. So I yeah. think that's another big thing that a lot of people kind of overlook. Yeah, you're, you're definitely in a different league uh, as far as the sculptures go than... Uh, you know, people like me who are doing smaller projects and stuff like that. And I've, I've never built a sculpture, so I'm not, I'm not a, in that, in that genre, but um, I have a huge appreciation for what you do, which is why I reached out to you. Cause I was like, just seeing some of the stuff that you make, I mean, you, you, you're clearly in a different league. And I think a lot of the stuff that like you're saying, just, just doing the repetition, like you said, mm -hmm. your first Jaguar was, you know, in your eyes was like not the best or whatever. I, I see it. <laughs> I see it. And I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. You know, and mm -hmm. we're our own worst critic, but you got the, you got the time in and, and started building bigger and, and better sculptures. So yeah, that's good advice mm -hmm. to start clear, clear the inventory out. And mm -hmm. cause your, your next set of cutting boards, your next set of whatever you're making is going to be uh, exponentially better because mm -hmm. you're, you're doing volume. For sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think you nailed it. Yeah. So, so you enjoy doing the, the epoxy stuff the most out of, out of all of it? Yeah. Um, I really actually like, and what I'm kind of transitioning now, my next transition, I guess it's not a huge one, but hundred percent wood sculptures. Uh, so I did a T-Rex skull, which is by far my favorite sculpture I've ever done still. Yeah. You had skeletons um, in your closet. <laughs> it, I don't know if you saw, I, I literally have it locked in my closet. I did. I did see that. Yeah. That was, that was, I love the little dad jokes that you, you throw in there from time to time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think, I think with, with these, with these wooden epoxy sculptures, I'm stuck at a size limit of mm -hmm. what could fit in my refrigerator. And then when you get over, you know, 10 gallons epoxy, that's, that's like crazy. Like right. that's, I mean, not only the weight, but the, the price of the epoxy, like if it fails, I'm now wasting that much. Like it just, I'm stuck at a certain size with epoxy. Right. Whereas if I go hundred percent wood, it's the doors are wide open. I could go as big as I want. Um, and, and something I'm really looking forward to doing, um, is doing like, a think of like an end grain cutting board with patterns in it. Okay. Gluing like, 20 of them together. So now I have this big three foot by two foot by two foot block 
with a design of end grain in the side and then carve something out of that. I think that could actually be mm. really, really cool and something I'm really excited to, to do in the future. So something with like some curvature that picks it up, picks up the patterns yeah. in different ways and stuff. Oh, yeah. awesome. Uh, like a horse or a rhino or something, a bull. Um, yeah. and, and when you make, when you have that like geometric design or pattern in the wood, when you start to carve the curves, I think it's going to change that design and it's yeah. going to look really cool. Like you don't know what it's going to look like. Right. And I think that really, uh, that's like pretty exciting for me. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing something like that. Yeah, like uh, Michael Alm does the the pattern plywood stuff and and has started experimenting with the way that that stuff changes when you when you have different curvatures and stuff like that. It's really yeah, really fascinating. I, I talked to him about that actually, and uh, and he, you're talking about the bowl he did, right? He did the the yeah. bowl out of it, and it completely like warps your your design, which is which is really cool. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it twists your mind for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's really cool. Okay, so serious question. Yes. Do your neighbors hate you? Probably. <laughs> With the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably, yeah, pro they probably do. No, um, <laughs> on a, in all honesty, outside of that T-Rex school where I spent like a week outside chainsawing, they yeah. definitely hated me that week. But for a sculpture that I work on for six to 10 weeks, there's probably only two days that I have the big uh, uh, gas-powered chainsaw outside. Yeah. So for the most part, I, I have like a little 12-inch electric, and I can do a ton of carving with that. So right. I shut all the doors, and, and you can't even hear me with the, the electric chainsaws in there, or angle grinders. Yeah. So it's really just uh, a couple days a month, I would say, out yeah. there. So it's not, <laughs> it's not terrible, but during the T-Rex carving, that was... They were probably giving me some dirty looks. Yeah. So, so they get some of the, uh, the cutoff uh, coasters when you're done, right? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, go give them, <laughs> yeah I'll go give them some of those. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know, you know, I mean, do they follow you on, on YouTube and stuff like that? or? Um, I don't know. So I do, I, I hire, there's a kid across the street. Um, I hire him for help sometimes. So they know what I do. And yeah. I have a couple of older neighbors on both sides that, they probably can't hear it anyway. Uh, I'll just <laughs> yeah. be honest. That's great. That's, that's <laughs> but the perfect no. situation. <laughs> yeah. Neighbors are great. They're yeah. I, no complaints at all. They've, they've been really good and, and helpful. So yeah, no, no complaints. So do you enjoy making the YouTube videos? Is that like another side passion of yours? For sure. Yeah. I've even like in high school, I used to film my friends do stupid stuff and I used to yeah. edit. Like I used to like, I mean, we're talking like the first IMAX that came out. I was on iMovie mm -hmm. editing videos. So I always used to just really like editing videos and making videos. Now uh, it is definitely more of a job, you know, right. editing videos, but uh, I do still enjoy it. And, and getting to like relive the, the carving and the experience is, is pretty fun, but it does get uh, time consuming and, and it does become a job at a certain point. Right. Well, you're a good storyteller. I mean, you, you kind of, you lay it down uh, in up front in the video, you, you, you're following the elements that they tell you to follow in, in YouTube and bring somebody along. I'm sure your retention is, is fairly good on YouTube because people are waiting for that, that big payoff. Yeah. And that's, um, something that I've learned over time is, is I'm, I'm, pretty big into, into studying analytics. Every, every video, mm -hmm. I, I will really spend a lot of time looking at the retention graphs and Hey, when, when are people leaving? When are they staying? What do they want to see? Um, and one of the biggest things I've learned is to just never show the reveal, never show it mm -hmm. until the very end. And I get so many comments right. saying, Hey, I wish you would have shown like more of the reveal. And I can't like <laughs> out, right. outside of like a 30 second reveal people are, people are out of here. So now I, yeah. what's kind of unfortunate, I would love to show the full reveal of the sculpture for like long periods of time, but I know 30 seconds people are out. So it's quick cuts really quick and right. just show the reveal at the very end. Like you'll, you'll never see the whole sculpture unless it's like, you know, halfway done until the yeah. very last 30 seconds. So that's kind of something I've learned a big, uh, tactic I've learned kind of just studying the analytics. 
Right. And then, and then you do the, essentially when I can tell you as a viewer, you do these shots and it's usually like, Oh, I want to see, I want to see the other side or whatever. And then you, you cut to a different clip and cut to a different <laughs> clip. And then pretty soon the video is over and you're like, well, dang, now I want to, now I want to go to his, his website. Now I want to look at his Instagram <laughs> like this. It's, just, you know, you don't ever get the, you get a full payoff, but, but it, you still feel like you want more. And yeah. so I'm sure the, the analytics are showing you that they're jumping from one video to the next video, right? Cause they, they want to see the next, yeah, each, the next one. Each new video definitely helps the older one. And, and kind of to your point of not seeing enough is I, that's the other thing I've learned is I try and do as quick as cuts as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, uh, voice over it and, and I, I'm not the most like engaging voice. I don't talk really hyped up or anything. Yeah. So in order Mr. to Beast com- style, <laughs> yeah, in order to combat my like monotone, slow voice, I have to do these really quick cuts and you might not notice how quick they are, but I won't have anything over five seconds yeah. unless it's like a, a, a big time lapse, like sped up like crazy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's yeah. good to see you not falling in the trap of, of the, the Mr. Beast voice, you know, up front. I took 20 gallons of epoxy and poured it into this mold, you know. And then I'm going to give away 100 gallons to everybody that right. watches. <laughs> yeah, you have your lane and you're, you're sticking to it and it looks like it's paying off uh, pretty well. I didn't I haven't looked at the uh, the sub count, but you've you've got to be up there uh, on the sub on the sub count. Um I don't know. It's like 400 something, but it's not um it's just been the whole, ever since I started, it's just been slow and steady. I feel like, yeah. um, yeah, slow and steady. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, really, the sub count is just a, a vanity metric, right? It's more about the views. You, you want to get the views on the next video. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, you, I mean, you obviously know this, but going in, but all sponsors really care about is views, right. um, and you know, your last five or 10 average views or something like that. Right. So time or money if you were to have more of of one um to do what you enjoy doing which one would you pick 100 percent time yeah <laughs> like uh i mean i'm you again you have two kids too i have two young kids and um there's not enough time in the day there right. really isn't and i never really i didn't understand time until i had kids and it's yeah. like i mean yeah, Daddy, your time, come, your come time with gets, me. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah, I mean, your time gets cut. Not, I mean, I don't know. What would you say? We, before kids to after having two. Oh, before kids, money, say? after kids, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah but if I'm I had all the money that, in the world, I would, <laughs> I would pay somebody to do all the mundane stuff. <laughs> yeah, that is, hey, that is true, which would give you more time. Right. Hmm, maybe that. Maybe, so maybe the answer is money. There. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Pay somebody to do the sanding. <laughs> right. Maybe you can have Grant with Dad Crafted now that he's got a $25 gift card from Surf Prep. Ooh. Maybe you can put that into some sanding uh, equipment and come give you a hand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> so so what are the goals with uh, with your channel, with your business? Like what's your what's the future look like for, for you? Yeah, I just enjoy making um, just sculptures, kind of pushing the boundaries on on what I can do. Um, I definitely see myself going into more full wood sculptures. I think uh, I, I'm really excited about the possibilities of, of making things larger. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want to do some more like public venues if possible. Um, and, and on the YouTube channel, just kind of film, you know, the process of, of carving these things and how these things kind of come to be. Um, I think what I really want to do on the YouTube channel is show like the value, not the value, but, but show how much work goes into each one of these sculptures. Right. Um, I think that's really my main goal of, of YouTube is just showing the work involved and, and showing you how this thing is done. Um, yeah. And that, that's kind of it. Yeah. And hire somebody to, to move the tripod for you. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that is the worst part of making videos is trying to get those different angles while you're while you're working. Yeah, you know, I'm sawing here at one angle, and then I have to stop, go move it, do the same cut, stop, move it. It's just right. yeah, 
yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, it's times like that. I, I enjoy making the video, even though it sucks, the process sucks because I'm thinking about the viewer and when they're watching this, are they thinking that you've got multiple cameras set up? Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, for me, I enjoy that process of like, how am I going to make this shot f go into the next shot and make it look like it's a different. So I enjoy that, that part of the, yeah. the process. I started enjoying probably the video making more than the actual woodworking part. <laughs> and I started like questioning <laughs> my life decisions. <laughs> so that's a question that I, yeah, definitely that I have for you is, when you're making something, are you thinking more about how it's being filmed or how you're making it? Um, or both? Like, I mean, I guess kinda, you could do kinda, both. Kind of both. I, yeah. For me, I try to bring I try to bring the viewer into um, into like what my eyes would see, kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing a lot more like uh, product reviews and that type mm -hmm. of thing lately. Um, but when I was doing build videos that I really enjoyed like showing and, and trying to bring in like with the essence of, of the environment. So if it was like super hot yeah. in there, like showing elements that incorporate that, yeah, um, or if it's sure. super loud or whatever, like different things like that. I, I, I enjoyed that visual experience and nice. unfortunately that part of the, the creative process never paid off for me. I never got any views when I had that mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I started getting views when I was just like, showing like doing product reviews <laughs> so <laughs> that's what my channels turned into nice but nice. it's all good I, I, right. I would love to go into to an after show um portion and maybe talk to you a little bit more about um like what what like how do you come up with the pricing and stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah, um absolutely. For, for these projects if you're cool talking about that kind of stuff yeah for sure okay awesome so we'll do the uh, we'll do the patreon um, after show. Um, but thanks for, thanks for doing the, the podcast. It's, it's awesome getting to talk with you. I mean, uh, I've been watching your stuff for a number of years and just, you know, really been brought along that whole process. So it's cool to see, you know, how far you've come and then like where you're, where you're going. So uh, I'll make sure to leave the show note in the show notes, uh, all your contact info so people can, can check you out. Well, likewise, man, I, I love your work and, and thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Thank you. I want to say uh, thank you to Surf Prep for sponsoring uh, this podcast and uh, this episode. And I will be reaching out to Grant to uh, contact him about that gift card. And thank you to our uh, oh, wrong nope. music. <laughs> <laughs> I had switched pages. Uh, that, so that's fun. Thank you to, that's the right music. Thank you to our patrons. We've got a number of top tier patrons. We call them rock stars that I like to shout out at the end of the episode. Jimmy McAnally, Wim Design, Calvary Customs, LLC, Clean Cut Woodworking, Bailey Thompson, Dave Garcia, Broken Lead Woodwork, Starks Lagoon, Dylan Furniture, Shock the Fox, Don Patterson, and Corey Duvall. So thank you guys for sponsoring this podcast and make sure you check out the after show. Head over yeah. to patreon.com slash maker lounge podcast to do so. Blake, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me.